Welcome to Behind the Blade Podcast, episode 31. We are maturing like a fine wine. That is an inside joke from a previous recording that I totally botched. But if you want to hear a bunch of content that we only kind of botched, then stay tuned because we are going to cover Pete Winkler's success in both his knife company and his forged in fire victory. We're going to go over the Shigunokomi folding knife in our history segment. And for the sake of brevity, we are going to skip over tech tips as we are editing the video and go right to your Q&As. Stay tuned. Back, episode 31. This is Matt Martin sitting across from the venerable Jim Stewart. I'm not sure how venerable I am. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, we'll put a pin in that one. Put yeah. a pin in that one. Let's go Jim back. is here, regardless I am here. of credentials. <laughs> <laughs> how are you guys doing today? Oh, it's it's good to be here. Matt and I love doing the show, and, uh, and we can't do it without you, so thank you guys. We for could. It would just... Here. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be as exciting to know that we're <laughs> talking to no thousands of people every time we do this. Uh, yeah, yeah, and metrics look really good. The show's picking up. Yeah, so thanks for sticking with us, guys. I mean, yeah. we are really doing everything we can. Uh, just to put it in perspective, anytime we drop a show, um, it takes a Tuesday meeting, usually starting at about 6.30 after a day of knife making, uh, for the both of us, and we meet from six thirty to about eight thirty. Eight, yeah, eight eight thirty. Yeah. Some, you know, shooting the bull, shooting the breeze, whatever you want to call it, goes on too. But it's primarily to make sure that we have structure for the next upcoming show. And then when we do a podcast, when we actually record it, we start at six thirty, and we don't get done till about eleven. Right. And we're like, hey. Uh, this isn't taking enough of our time. Let's start adding video editing. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, because we know that that's the next step. And Matt and I are, you know, as much as we hate it, we do know that this is necessary. And and uh, and we want to do it on we, top it's, of it. It's, it's fun. It, yeah, it's, it's just fun. It's hard to have guilt-free fun when we still have lives and businesses to run, right? <laughs> so it, it yeah. does take some effort and it does take us to get in our groove and to make sure that uh, the table is set, metaphorically speaking, that we can just slip in, get the job done, and get out. So today, we're actually going to be doing kind of a, to use a word that Jim used earlier today, we're going to be doing kind of a Spartan episode, because as soon as we unplug these mics, we're going to start editing the first of our video installments, our high-fidelity video installments. So okay. this is yep. going to be mm-hmm. an experiment. Um, we know it's going to be a little bit edgy in the sense that we're, <clears throat> excuse me, we're still developing our style and everything when it comes to uh, cinematography or videography. Yep. I don't know what the word is. Yep, both actually work. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And obviously we both have some experience doing this. Jim has more than I do, but we both have some. So it'll be fun to kind of meld together. We have similar tastes, which is nice. Yeah. Well, which means the creative flow and the process together. As soon as we figure it out, we'll be fast. Right. It'll be really good. I mean, like we're going to get to the point where we'll be able to be like, hey, why don't we do a quick review? It'll be a one take thing because exactly. we know exactly what it is that we're looking for. And, and we're really looking forward to, to developing that with you guys and feedback from you guys is really important in that too. That's a and good point, Jim. Yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. we're doing it for you guys. I mean, right. we have to do it our way, but hopefully that's what you guys appreciate. So any feedback is welcome. Any trolls will be shown the door. That's simple. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't any different than normal. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Um, well, Matt, good sir. What are you carrying today? Uh, you know what? I'm so, oh, you know what? I am carrying something interesting. And again, it goes, I like getting in character, man. So when I have a <laughs> history segment coming up, I'm like, that's the knife I want to carry. Today, I am carrying a gift 
from Mr. John Balotsis at Copus Designs. Before there was a Copus Designs, Johnny worked in our shop, the Vehement shop. And one year, I think it was for my birthday, he got me this genuine Higo no Kami made by Motosuke Nagao himself. Um, and hmm. it's a very historic piece in my eyes. And I don't think any collection, especially at the price of like 14 bucks, yeah. I don't think any collection should be without one because uh, it's just a really cool knife. I think you guys will get d down on it. It's a friction folder. Um, mm -hmm. It does have the, what do they call it? The chikigiri or whatever. The uh, um, I, th I think I got that the, right. Yeah. You, you talk about the thumb lever? That's it. Yeah. Basically, that, it's a thumb lever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thumb lever. Yeah. And it acts as an opening aid and a kind of. Not a locking mechanism, but a retention mechanism in the open position. Right. So that right. the blade doesn't unintentionally close on your hand. So mm -hmm. um, very cool hand forged piece out of San Mai uh, with a brass bent, you know, kind of body yep. frame to it. Very simple uh, to keep with the Spartan theme. It's, it's pretty much all you need. So we will go over all of its use, history, and lineage in today's history segment. But uh, that is probably the only interesting thing in my pockets other than the daily fare, which you guys <laughs> are all probably too bored with. Uh, eventually, I'll get caught up on my books and I'll be buying more knives to carry to spice things up a little bit. In the meantime, you're going to have to listen to PM2s and Victorinox uh, polished multi-tools. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm actually not carrying that right now. I did, oh! I did throughout the day. I did throughout the day. My no I had my normal loadout for the day which was my uh, Victorinox Swiss tool and the Ultralight Bushcrafter. But today I am carrying my uh, Riot Wave 2016. 2016 Blade Show Edition uh, Riot Wave. It's a real quick flipper. Bronze bushings. Um, bushings. Is that bronze? I thought it was on bearings. No, no, no. Oh, it's, okay. it's bronze bushings. Oh, yeah, that's yeah I mean, I mean, like, when, when, uh, when the engineering is tight with the bronze, it sails open. Yeah. I mean, like, there's, there's, there's um, the, only, the only thing better would be bearings themselves. Right. I mean, so you really can't get any better. But it's got a carbon fiber, uh, one side, titanium, flame, um, inset into that and then a titanium with a titanium flame inset on the other side titanium pocket clip on top of that um, M390 blade nice M390 um, excellent edge retention perfect for folders yep you can't get better you can't really get better than uh, than than that without going to other super steels that perform just as well yes I mean so this is the one that we were yep. going to take these inserts out and blast them and tumble them right uh, yes, I mean, we should was, do that. Yeah, we should. I completely agree. I think it would, I mean, just amazingly alter the knife. But yeah. I, not being a huge carbon fiber guy, I think these checkered titanium inserts really add something to it. Mm -hmm. I just don't like the flaming on it. Like the purple and gold kind of right. looks a little gaudy. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say court jesterish. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Right? But yeah. I think blasted and it just mute them a little bit. And this thing would be a slice of fried gold, man. It's a yeah. sharp little knife. I mean, both figuratively and literally. Right. I mean, it's super lightweight because of the carbon fiber yes. and the tie. I mean, it's razor sharp. I mean, the guy, the, the uh, David Deng is the guy, I believe, who owns um, Riyadh or is like the lead. He owns it. Okay. Yeah, he owns it. Uh, and, he, and he's one of the lead designers, um, an engineer in his own right. And so his knives are tight and right. Um, I can't really, can't, can't really complain about it. So, not that I would anyway. This is really good. I, I felt like I got a, got, a, got a good deal out of it. Nice. 325 bucks. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, it looks at, like a lot the, of knife for that. At, at the show. Oh, yep. nice. At the show for cash. Nice. Oh. So, <laughs> to, to one of the cute Chinese girls that was there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, yeah. Yeah, fits, fits nice and snug. Uh, and I am enjoying it. And you know what I forgot that I was going to bring? What? What? No, nothing. What? No, nothing. What? You had this look on your face. I know. And I intentionally didn't speak on that. <laughs> That was me holding it back. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I had an Olite. Um, it was uh, it was one of these. You have uh, the S one. S one. S one. But mine. But mine's um, the uh, the flame titanium one. Ooh. It was a it was a gift from Dan Tope, 
and he, uh, he he handed it to me for helping out with the TDCs uh, back in the day, and um, I realized that I missed carrying it, so I found it in my gi bag the other day, nice. and I went, here it is, oh, I awesome. Can't it. Okay, and, and then I put it in my pocket, but I unfortunately forgot it at home. Uh, so wah, so wah, that's cool okay. Story, Jim. Thanks. I know all this lead up. Just I have to be all like, kinds of stuff at home. You don't hear me talking about it. <laughs> I have this rug at home. Yeah, yeah. It's, I've it's got sweet. a Gerber Mark II at home. I've got a Cold Steel SRK and 3D at home. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! All right. So anyway, let's move on to the news. Right. You know, Jim. You know that I'm like a Swiss Army knife freak, right? I happen to know that, yes. Okay, so pretty much any knife that has a keychain on it, I get excited about because of the potential for having the ultimate keychain loadout. <laughs> uh, you know, flashlight, tweezers, right. can, P38 can opener. Well, there's something know. appealing about having a one bundle kind yes. of a grab everyday tool that you need that you use. Exactly. Yeah, right? yeah. So in that, I've acquired both for my daughter and for myself some of these little fob knives mm-hmm. and stuff like that that used to come on antique pocket watches and stuff like that. Right, so yeah. I, I just think they're neat. They, they actually work really well for everything from like cleaning fingernails and opening packages. The problem with them, though, is that their diminutive blade size makes them very difficult to load into most guided sharpening systems. Yes. Because they're very small, very fine well, little blades. Usually right? they're smaller than the clamp. That's exactly right. right. Mm-hmm. So our friends over at KME Sharpeners came up with a solution to a problem that I never even thought about before, and that is their pen knife blade clamp. So they make an adapter for their KME system that grabs even the tiniest smallest Swiss Army knife classic, that little tiny blade that's on there, yeah. it'll clamp onto that with the same strength and security that you can get that true profiled edge that you expect from a guided system like the KME Sharper. So to me, I'm like, this is great. So now they've got my scissors covered because I'm a scissor file. Yep. They've got my axes covered because I'm an axe freak. <laughs> they've got my convex blade grind. They have the convex sharpening rod system because mm-hmm. I sharpen on convex on our knives. And obviously I'm a huge Bark River fan. Thank I you. have a lot yep. of those. Mm-hmm. So, and now my keychain knives too. So I don't think there's anything that this system does not cover in my knife collection right now. And if you want to see all of their products, visit them at kmesharp.com and make sure to tell them that Behind the Blade sent you. And we are back into the news segment. As, uh, as Matt was saying earlier, it is a little bit of a Spartan episode, but we do have one really cool, important article for you. It's about our good friend Pete Winkler and Cross Knives. This is ripped from the headlines of KnifeNews.com. <laughs> Forged in fire, winner takes inspiration from victory. Um, so, today the knife community knows Pete Winkler as the man behind Cross Knives, formerly Buckeye Knives, a maker of custom outdoor fixed blades. But in 2016, Winkler also appeared on Season 3 of the History Channel's Forged in Fire. He also managed to take home first prize that episode. He yeah, won. go Pete. It's, absolutely. It's an experience that continues to influence his work to this day, which is great, right? That's really good. When he was tapped for the show, Winkler had only been in the knife business for seven years. He began as a hobbyist applying handles to pre-made knife blanks. As I went along, I decided to really want to learn steel, sheath making, designs, all those things, Winkler tells us. 
So he began assembling tools, learning, and making knives of his own. Winkler also hit the regional show circuit, attending some 30 shows a year in the early days, wow. selling his work at low prices, taking the financial hit to get his name out there. I think that's how everybody starts yep. to some extent. That's, you know? that's, that's how you do it. I mean, it's just, it's just work and faith that right. you're going to do well, yes. man. And, and, and this guy, absolutely to a T. So, eventually, Winkler found himself being scouted for Forged and Fire. The show is a contest between four bladesmiths divided into... You guys know what Forged and Fire is. You're <laughs> 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 right. Doug Marquette, Jason Knight, David Baker, and enough, to, and enough to make him a finalist in the Home Forge Challenge alongside Oklahoma-based Joe Smith of Silver Anvil Blades. The finalists were sent to their respective states to create a pandat, a fighting sword used by the Dayak, Dayak people of Borneo. The Pentad has an ex- executioner-style blade and offset handle. Most makers, w- makers would balk, but Winkler was actually relieved. When I saw the Pentad, I almost burst out laughing. It was a perfect weapon. I knew I could do this. <laughs> and, and I'm looking at this, too, and I'm like, I could make that. Why would you balk at that? Yeah. Yeah, that, that looks pretty. Looks really simple, actually. <laughs> um, ultimately, Winkler took home the prize, impressing the judges with his rustic, high-performance take on the Pentad. So he won that one, too. Nice. He won the final. That's good. Excellent. Um, viewers enjoy each episode of Forge and Fire is smooth and slick 45 minutes at blah, blah, I guess I already know. <laughs> There's a lot of sitting and waiting. It doesn't run like clockwork. He also says that after the show aired, his sales didn't skyrocket overnight. And of course not, right? In, especially in this age of, uh, digital, uh, media distribution, you've got, you've got Amazon and you've got, you've got YouTube clips and videos and, right. and stuff like that, that it, it caught and went viral first. And then all of a sudden people are buying the episode on Amazon or, or looking for the YouTube things. And all of a sudden they're, then they're contacting them. That's kind of how it worked gotcha. in his favor this time, which is great. I mean, that's how it's supposed to. It's really right. good. Right. Name recognition was exponential after that first week. Week, week. It was incredible. Cross knives had, had com, has come a well-known purveyor of high-end fixed blades, and it's true. His stuff is really top-notch. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah fit and finish on point. Edge geometry right. on point. Handle work, especially on point. Absolutely. This guy, he's always been super talented too. So it's like, yeah. so it's like as part of you know before he really started making it, like like um like he up he upped his game. He, he kind of he, he came out and hung out with us right over at Bark River, and I remember him asking me. Asking me, Jimmy, I'm going to follow you around and I'm going to watch you grind blades. I went, you got it, Pete. Let's do this. And, uh, and his, his grinds are arguably better than mine now. And his finish nice. techniques are too. I mean, I mean, I mean looking at, looking he at how smooth his satin is, absolutely. He does absolutely clean work. And, and I'm super proud of him as a knife maker. So, Hell so a guy too. Yeah. Uh, Pete, he's a saint, man. And, yeah. And he's genuinely humble. Yep. You know about so. things too. I mean, he does. He's not like, yes, I'm awesome. Look at me. It's it, he's he's just like, thank you very much. Yep. You know, just super low key. Um, uh, knives like his UP Skinner are large. Winkler's made some sizable custom Bowie knives, but he wants to go further. He's working on a plus size chopper design, tentatively titled the Appalachian Kukri. Winkler, so he's, so he's, he's going up and up and he's designing further stuff. Winkler envisions this knife as a perfect combination of size and weight. It's going to be light. The blade stock will be less than a quarter inch thick. As for competing again, Winkler was asked to make a return appearance on Forged and Fire, but couldn't make it due to other obligations. Oh. He says that if the call comes again, he already knows that what his answer will be. I will still be open to doing that if the call ever came. Nice. So good on you, Pete. Excellent stuff, man. Yeah, good for you, man. Totally cool. All right, and so, like we said, this is going to be a very short episode of Knife News, and we will be back in a moment for probably a little bit of a wordy version of the history segment, as we like to do, and we will follow that up with your Q&A. In my kit, even, 
I would say most times in my EDC kit, but definitely in my camping kit or even traveling kit because I tend to sharpen knives for family members when I visit them and stuff like that. Well, I mean, it's expected. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah. Uh, I always carry a Spyderco double stuff. I don't know if you've seen those. They're like a medium and ultra fine ceramic stone. And it's a great finishing stone. Is it like a triangular stone? Nope. It's nope. it's square and flat. And it's oh, got two okay. sides to it. One's brown, one's white. Gotcha. I have not seen that, but okay. So yep. these are some of my favorite stones. And I've had this stone. It's a combination stone, right? Cool. I've, I've yeah. had it going on probably 10, 12 years, right? Right. Okay. Genda Industries makes those Spider Co. licensed stones that fit your KME sharpener. What? I'm dead serious. What? After all the years of use, they've never gone flat. They've never gotten a little dip in them. They've never shown anywhere whatsoever. They clean up well with Ajax. And to be able to put those stones on my KME set would be amazing. So the fact that Jenda came out with this innovation for obviously our friends over at our KME sharpening systems, I, I cannot believe it and I'm beside myself. So I do believe I'm going to be ordering a set of these. I can't wait. And I recommend you guys, I'm telling you, I have over a decade's experience with these specific stones. So to be able to put them on a guided system, it's going to change your world how fine of an edge you're going to get out of it. I guarantee you're going to like them. Go see Jenda Industries. Jim, where can they see Jenda? You lovely people can find Jenda Industries at www.jendaindustries.com. That's J-E-N-D-E, industries.com. And please be sure to tell them we sent you. Hey, and we're back for a history lesson that is very close and dear to my pocket. So I remember a couple of years ago, I had bought, yeah, right? <laughs> Took me a second to register that. <laughs> um, I remember uh, um, a couple of years ago, I had actually bought one of those and I gave it away to a friend. I even had like a little like leather slip oh, nice. made for it um, out of like super thin. I think it was like extra goat hide. Extra you know? goat as opposed to normal goat? What do you have an <laughs> extra goat? The goatier, the better. I, 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 <laughs> I, my, I, I, I'm suffering from apoplexy right now <laughs> on that <laughs> because all I meant was that we just had an extra little chunk of hide laid around. Lewis leather, Matt. What <laughs> do you mean extra goat? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a great start. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, we had a little, um, I, I had a little slip made for it and everything. It was a great little pocket thing. And I ended up giving it to a friend who, who just, you know, didn't have anything nice. And I'm like, well, I only paid like $14 for this. So here you can just have this. And uh, he's like, "Oh wow, thanks, man!" And then, and then, guess what? He promptly lost it. Oh, totally no. gone. I was, I was, I was kind of pissed about it. But, um, but anyway, yes. There's my little anecdote. Let's get, let's get right into the history, Mister, Mister, Mister Martin. Mister, Mister, Mister Martin. Mister, Mister Martin. Mister Martin. That's what, uh, uh, Jiro Shiroma, my, one of my old senseis from back in the valley. Yeah. He was an Okinawan guy who taught. He taught Muay Thai and he taught <laughs> Okinawan karate. Ah, cool. Uh, Mister Martin. That's what he started, <laughs> yeah. Cool guy. Really cool. He actually wrote the uh, Nunchaku book oh. by Jiro Shiroma. And so Ooh. if you have Amazon that, you'll see him. He looks kind of like uh, oh, Charlie Bronson. It looks a little <laughs> bit like Charles Bronson. So uh, then, anyways, now he looks like a very old Okinawan man. But he could still uh, kick some major butt. I would imagine that all that's trained very well. Yeah, you know? oh, yeah, yeah. yeah hard, absolutely. Hard as wood, man. Uh, today we are talking about, in case we've lost you already, we are talking about the Higo no Kami, which is a type of folding pocket knife. And it originated in Miki Hyogo Prefecture, Japan, in 1896. Cool. 1896. So 100 yeah. years before I was a freshman. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's about right. That's about right. <laughs> that, those are those are um those those are comparable milestones too, yeah, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. County hits, fast forward one century, Matt is getting his first books at Glendale High School. So uh, I don't want to go off the rails. It has obviously it's no locking system. It is a friction folder, also known as a penny knife. It uses just the pressure from the sides of the bent frame mm-hmm. and the friction to give it a smooth retention so it yep. didn't fall open like a gravity yep. knife. And I did have to say that yours is actually really tight. Is it? Yeah, yours, yours, yours was way tighter than mine. Oh, okay. Yeah, my, mine held itself open, but it wasn't, but it wasn't like that. Like that was like I'm like, oh, this is secure. I could, I could trust this. Oh, nice. You know, yeah, I've, yeah. I've never so, had because of that mm-hmm. that tautness, that tension. I've never had a uh, uh, like a second thought in my mind carrying my pocket or anything. Nice. It's always felt good. Nice. Are Super we still cool. Doing good. I thought I no, saw no, no. We're good. We're good. Straight. No, no. It, it the, the entire timeline shifted over as this oh. gets to a certain point. It shifts over. Got it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um. So let's see. Uh, the lever on the Higonokami, which is kind of a like a forged or smushed little thumb pad, also known as the Chikiri. Chikiri. So Chikiri. yeah, Chikiri. Chikiri. Uh, yeah, chiki. you said it right in the first segment then. Yeah, okay. Yeah, cool. you were right, yeah. I think I said cheeky giddy. I think I added an extra... An extra soul. key. Yeah, w- yeah, which who knows what that actually means in Japanese. It's probably something about um, a duck. So <laughs> yeah. the chikiri is, is just that little thumb piece that you hang on to, and it, it really, it seems kind of like it wouldn't be enough, but mm-hmm. when you hold it, I mean, that blade gets really secure yeah it's, it's pretty it's pretty good so it's kind of a brilliant design you know stemming back from 100 years before i started high school and but the higo nakami moniker refers to the lord of higo and higo was an old province in japan on the island of kyushu today's kumamoto prefecture kami literally protector kami has several definitions but that's one of protector was used as an honorable title for samurai a very high rank bestowed upon them by the shogun which i think you guys are pretty spun up on the samurai history um this is paraphrased a little bit from the wikipedia and then we're also going to jump back to some interesting uh facts that came from another website that i found uh the the first knife as we said appeared in 1896 as a result this i thought was super interesting okay so the very first higo no kamis came up when uh, katana, when samurai swords were banned, yeah, yes, you have all these bladesmiths mm-hmm. that needed to make something, right? They needed to eat. Yeah, they needed right? to eat. They had yeah. to put something out. So what they did is they kind of came up with this innocuous utility blade, right. That was even carried by children. Yeah, and they would have pencil. Actually, I know a lot of this history, so I don't even need to look at the book. <laughs> the, the kids would have pencil sharpening mm-hmm. uh, contests and stuff like that. So this is like common usage amongst the working class. Right. Everybody carried these. Yep. And it was a boom for the sword makers. Right. As I hit the boom on my microphone. It was, it was <laughs> for the sword makers because now they had, you know, the old adage, it's better to make a million one dollar things and sell them than it is to make one million dollar thing and try to sell it. Right, exactly. And so yep. that's what they did with this. And these right. masters really kind of applied their craft to something that they could really burn and turn and keep food on the table. The problem Very is cool. in nineteen well after World War Two Mm-hmm. swords were banned right, right. and totally. so that was i mean they were already kind of in a ban time anyways right. from the japanese government but then uh, the armistice declared no weaponry right so right no weaponry were, whatsoever yeah right. so they were donezo right the real problem and the downfall of the higuno came in 1961 if i'm not mistaken when a mentally disturbed 17 year old killed a dignitary publicly with a katana and that was it no knives of Mm -hmm. any kind right none even down to these little simple friction oh my god so that means they couldn't sell them domestically anymore right i don't know if you guys are aware of this but there wasn't a whole lot of interneting going on in 1961 right so it sustained a major blow now the name higonokami is a proper name and is only allowed to be used by the members of the guild from higo right now 
to date, there is only one authorized Smith able to use the Higo no Kami name. No, no. What? So, so back up on that. Who, who, who makes that determination? Just like he's the guy who owns it's trademarked. It, it, okay, okay. Well, yeah. there you go. There's your yeah, explanation. It's, okay, yeah, so it's, okay. it's trademarked. Okay, and I thought was, that was like Japanese governments. You know, I know it's protected, obviously, because it's a trademark. Now, but and it could be their form yeah. of trademarking. You know gotcha. what I mean? As yeah. far as that goes, but okay. it is listed as a trademark name. Okay, cool. And, Continue. And, yep. and only members of this guild and their descendants are allowed to use it. So you'll see other people make them and say Higunokami style, Higunokami influence, right. like a, you know, however they want to put it. Um, it's like saying Bob, Bob Loveless inspired Drop Point Hunter. Sure. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, As absolutely. opposed to saying it is a Loveless Drop Point Hunter. So the only man still authorized to use that title, that moniker of Higunokami proper, is Motosuke Nagao. And he is fifth generation, descended from four generations of, of Kami makers, Higunokami mm-hmm. makers. And uh, he has no successor. Oh, no. And he's old. Oh. And he is, I mean, he's like pushing 80s, maybe <laughs> getting ready to kick into the 90s. Oh, so so there's not going to be any more. He's not a young man, right? And right. so who knows what happens with the trademark when that expires. Right. However, uh, to the best of my knowledge and everything that I could find online, the only authentic Higonokamis come in the yellow box with the blue label it's a right. little cardboard box and it's all written in kanji or katakana i can't read it so i couldn't tell you exactly what's on but it, it but it's identifiable it is i mean, I mean none, none of the other ones have the same kind of look nope right and, and all the right. boxes are a little bit different you know they kind of keep the same style but the yellow box with the blue paper logo mm-hmm. uh, label on it uh that's the one that's the real deal now you can still buy these for 14 bucks you right. can buy the San Mai version, everything that I have right here, this beautiful little piece of brass with a nice San Mai utility blade, zero ground. I mean, it's like a, it's almost like a Scandi style grind. It's yeah. a zero grind. Super cool. Um, it, but it's still $14. So mm-hmm. I'm really glad to have one because who knows after uh, Nagao-san passes on, mm-hmm. or Sama, I'm sorry, uh, after he passes on, then that would be it. You know right. what I mean? So, yeah. uh, so that's, I don't know. I think it's a really neat historical piece in the fact that they were the fallout after the sword ban Mm -hmm. and then they still endured after the nationwide knife ban yes and now today they're able to reach market so who knows if we're even getting new old stock or what we're receiving oh yeah absolutely i have no idea how many are made or sold but they have come into popularity with the hipsters and stuff like that Mm -hmm. uh, because they're simple because they're brass because they're cool and they're historic and they're cheap yes so they they have become a little bit more prolific than they have been in the past years but it's just a really neat for me this is when i'm kicking around the house I throw, I'm a robe guy. I don't, I'm not that cute after, but. <laughs> you were saying that before. Yeah. In, yeah, the, in the winter time, I like to be ensconced in terry cloth. So I just, I wear a robe and uh, I would say, you know, six days out of seven in a week, if I'm wearing a robe, this will be in my pocket. Yeah. Just because I use it to open packages and do everything else. It's just a real, real nice quick edge. Yep. Is what it, it is. Exactly. Yeah. And it's yep. lightweight. You don't even notice it. So that is the history on the Higo no Kami knife. And I, I actually ask you guys to Google image search some and you'll see some custom ones that are made that are beautiful. Beautiful. And then you'll see the historic models that are actually very crude and very rudimentary, and they carry a little bit of charm in, in just that fact. So, That's cool. That's yeah, cool. Check them out. We are back with our favorite section, 
of the entire show because it gives us, I think, the most energy boost. Yeah, this it's whole just thing. fun and free-flowing, and we just get to answer questions, and it makes us feel smart because we have answers. <laughs> this is the only place we can feel that. Right. Uh, I'm glad that you guys aren't asking questions like, what's the chemical composition of Frankish Flegeberg fluoride? That was good. I was thinking, like, what's the difference between caramel and vanilla fat-free non-dairy creamer? Because I couldn't tell you the friggin' difference at all. I drink black coffee. I can um, tell the difference between 01 and 154 cm, though. Sure. So, yeah. <laughs> how useful is that? <laughs> all right, all right. First question. Ashley's story is Tom Pucci, by the way. Tom. So, so um, Ashley's story, and will she design a knife for vehement, Matt? So, funny thing, Tom. We just had one of our supporters contact me via private messenger today, actually while we were recording, and he's like, hey, have you ever thought about doing a memoirs of vehement knives? And, and kind of went back and forth, and... I said, I think it'd be fun to have a couple beers and then just sit down either in the shop or in the basement and do a live feed giving the history of vehement knives, including when Ashley kind of joined on to the mothership. So I dig it. I, and as far as her designing knives for vehement knives, I'm sure at some point the needle will rise where she's going to be like, Matt, I need a knife for this task. Cause that's the kind of chick she is. And she'll be like, this is what I wanted to do. And so it'll probably be of that nature more than okay, Ashley, you're free. Go design knives. You know what right, I mean? right. It, so, it'll, it'll be, it'll be a necessity as a mother of invention kind it, of a thing. I, I could see yeah. it coming down that way. And of course, I think that'll be a fun project when the day comes. So we'll address that. But yeah, uh, stay tuned, Tom. I know you're in the syndicate. Stay tuned in the syndicate. And at some point in the near future, maybe even this weekend, don't hold me to it, um, we'll, we'll do some kind of history segment of our own that doesn't take up uh, behind the blade time. Because it always feels like self-promotion when I talk about it. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, from Jerry Fogged. Fogged? Fogged. Fogged. I don't know. I, I think, I think we've done this it before. It might even be fought. It might fought? be a silent yes. G. Yeah. Fought. Jerry Fought. I, I think we covered all the pronunciations. I think we did at some point okay. through probably multiple episodes. Jerry. Yeah, Jerry. that one. Yes. Jerry, I had a lot of friends buying the Wii folders at the Blade Show. Do you know any history of the company? I know even Spyderco makes some knives in China. We seem to have great fit and finish. I prefer American made, but but must say my favorite folders are Japanese Spydercos. Should we give we our business in your opinion? Love the show. Thanks. Thank you, Jerry. Um, so so the Chinese folders are starting to really kind of come up in quality by quite a bit. Well, they're coming up in price too. This well, is the well, catch twenty two. Yeah, it's yeah, like this you is, can get an American quality knife for the same price as an American knife. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and, and and the thing is, and the thing is, the Chinese knives are are seeing that market and making knives just as good with quality materials that are just as good. Any human being, so, I don't care geographically where you are at, any human being mm-hmm. with an education or any aptitude in machining or design work or anything like that can make a quality product if they just slow down and spend the money on materials. Those right. two things are separated by a comma, you know, well, oh, and but yeah, sure. yeah. So it's slow down <clears throat> and. Spend the money on quality materials, right? So right. just just commit to it. Yeah, and uh, and you've got guys like like David Dang. We were talking about him and, uh, and Riot, Riot. Yeah, and Riot. I know that Riot makes um, uh, Todd Bag Steelcraft line, or yep. they used to. I think they're. I think I think they. I think they deviated, and they're actually going to Wii. Oh, okay. No knives kidding. for for, so, for 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 their for their next stuff. Jerry, for what that's worth, you yeah. Know what I mean, take a look at that. Absolutely. I think, I think we and Riot hang. Together. I think they do too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really do. So, should you give them their money? Uh, that's entirely up to you yep. based on what you support or whatever. You know what I mean? We can't tell you one way or another, like you have to buy this brand or we forbid you to buy this brand. Right. We have Matt and I are huge proponents of open and free market. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's, that's absolutely your money is your business. If, if, if like, like, 
Like, I bought a Chinese knife. Here it is. It's my Rehat Wave. Yeah. It's 2016 Blade Show Special. So that's Jim Stewart who makes high-end custom fixed blades right, in America yeah. with American money. So, you know, so with, if you like the knife, then get it. And right. if you're asking if we think we makes good quality blades, then yes, we do. I, I do. Yeah, know, and Jim I, does too. I, yeah, I do too. I do. In, fact, in fact, one of my wife's favorite knives is one of their models. Um, let's see. So, mm-hmm. Oh, I prefer uh, Japanese Spyderco. So do I, but honestly, Jerry, on a side note, um, if you like the Japanese spider Spydercos, which I do, I like the U.S., but honestly, they're top of the line, made in Taiwan. Uh, yep. Spyderco, they're, they're yeah. top shelf stuff, <clears throat> Taiwanese made, and it is top shelf well, stuff. Well, I mean, the president of the company personally inspects every one. Right. Right? I mean, like, what other indicator of quality would you need yeah, at that exactly. point? At that point, every single one's exactly the same. They're tight and right, and, and they're just good knives, man. Yeah. Just good knives. Yep. Right? In fact, I need to pick up one. Still. Yeah. I think I even said it last time we brought this yeah, up. Yeah, I, I get one. Because <laughs> they're not expensive either. So, um, so yeah, next. Any updates on Bark River folders? Nope. Nope. Next question. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. From Budget Bug Out. What are your top five Hall of Fame production folders? Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, top five. Top five. All right, so Buck 110. It's in here, but hands down, right? Right, yeah, absolutely. So Buck yep. 110. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says Delica. I would say Endura. I would agree or with the Endura. PM2. So yep. if we were mm-hmm. going to pick one Spyderco, I would pick the PM2. Yep, I would. I would have to agree with you. But um, at the same time, I think the Endura is like a. I don't know. I think it's more iconic. It's it's more iconic. It's older. It's they've, they've had more time to perfect it. Okay. And and there's lots of different options that they have with it. So I, I would say this is in in five years the PM2 will be the inductee into the Hall of Fame. The, I agree. Yes. The Endura totally. started as the Clip It, yep. which was carried by SEALs and everybody yeah. else and cops, and it was one of the first pocket knives yeah. production. It was the first production knife to have a pocket clip on it. Yep. I mean, absolutely. How crazy is that? You know? Right. Right. They, they really they really set the trend. I mean, there there's this there's this big long traditional history of it that spans you could argue generations. Right at, yeah. the, at this point with with the Endura Sal and, and, and Eric, yeah. Think, yeah, 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 and I think I think later on that that the, from that came the police and uh, right. and from uh, and uh, the w- civilian, the yeah, the civilian, yeah. yes, Remember, that of was a big one that came yeah, out, absolutely. So, okay, so Buck One Ten, mm-hmm. Spiderco Endura, right, uh, at all, including right. the clip it and all those, you know what I yep. mean, and so mm-hmm. and the evolution there, and uh, so okay, so that's two. Um, I probably would agree with the Sabenza. Uh, I, I, I think. Well, I mean, I mean, I, 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 I think you have your own perspective, which I'll definitely take into consideration. But, but was there was there another company at the same time that made the same type of the same type of higher end upper echelon type of frame lock that high, I, that I, that they did when they first came out? I, I'll give it to you. I, mentally, there's mm-hmm. an asterisk next to it. On paper, <laughs> it's legitimate. Okay. So, okay. All so right. the Buck One Ten. I just have a hard time with the Benzo. With although I have all of these knives. You know what? I don't have an Endura. I need to get one. I, keep I don't either. To get one right? And yeah. I just get sidetracked every time I go to the knife shop. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So we have the Buck One Ten. Uh-huh. We have the Endura. We have the Sabenza. Yep. And then let's see. What would be? I think the Griptilian. Uh, I was Tillian? just thinking that the Griptilian. The Griptilian. The Griptilian. Yeah, yeah. That's that's like your AR fifteen of folders. Right. At this point, and there's I so don't many. Like uh, them, but you can't yeah. deny their. I just don't like how thick the handles are. So right. it's just like a preference I mean, thing. I almost wish that we could include Benchmade, not, no specific Benchmade model, just their access lock. Okay, but right? let's be honest here. Go if for we're it. saying Hall of Fame folders, right? does that include Bali songs? Uh, that's a folder. That's be- a folder. Because a Benchmade yeah. Model 42. Yeah. I mean. that That's an iconic knife. 
It is. Okay, so I'm going right? to say Model 42. Sure, yeah. Stainless steel handles. Titanium. Ti- 42s, yeah. Oh, Ti- okay, okay, yep. cool. 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 still yeah. like 20-plus years old. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? it's got some history to yeah. it. Yeah, um, excuse my ignorance on that. Oh. Uh, let's see, and then... I feel like are we missing something from Gerber, like a real powerhouse from Gerber as a folder? As a folder, they had, uh, they, they had some sort of a didn't they have some sort of a special lock that no no they had the, they had really the bolt action the Gerber bolt yeah. action was yeah. so did you ever have one of those? I think I no I don't think I had it but I remember Dad having one back in the day. The Gerber with bolt it, yeah. action had a switch that you would slide back and there mm-hmm. was the bolt action exchange which is the one I had right so it had like a really nice looking kind of drop point. Skinner with a really comfortable handle on it, and you slide that switch back, and you could remove the blade and replace it with like a skinning knife with a gut hook, right. or you could replace it with a saw, or oh, right, and, and yeah. it was cool. So okay, it, did it have that big of a market impact though? I'd... Probably not. It, I think I think you're just opining on something that was cool that you're you thought right. was cool. Yeah, you're you know, probably, I mean, yeah. so, so we're drawn to our biases, and I totally get it. Because Robbie, I, I love at your shop things. thought it was cool too, man. Yeah, so that's two of us. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with you guys. <laughs> no, uh, but I feel like Gerber uh-huh. had... Oh, the Paul knife. The Gerber Paul knife. Okay. All okay, right. okay, okay, okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so Gerber yep. Paul knife. Right. Buck 110, Sabenza, mm-hmm. uh, Spyderco Clip It slash Endura. Endura. Mm-hmm. All right, so we need number five. Oh, and, and the, the Benchmade Bali song. Yep, the Benchmade Bali song would be... And then that, that would be our top five. And I, f- yeah. I feel like Swiss Army Knife needs a shout out in there. Swiss Army knife, yeah, I think I think that's like everybody's go-to. Yeah, officer model or whatever. I, I can't yep. keep up with. They have so many different names. Right. The champion was the really huge one. I have one of those. That yeah, I, I yeah, that that one was almost a gimmick. Yeah, yeah, that gimmick. was almost like look what we can do. That thing was my best friend when I was a child. So <laughs> gimmick Mike A. Yeah, this is it. And it ranks pretty high up there even today, Jim. Like, yeah. so, so, so those of you who can't see, Matt is about five six feet away from me, just out of arm reach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just talking crap about my butt. Uh, uh, <laughs> Real man of you to make fun of somebody who's not even here, yeah, Jim. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just wait till I bring champ in next time. See what you have to say to his face. But uh, yeah, so I would say that. So I would say one. Th- there's a Victorinox Swiss Army or a Wenger Swiss Army that is like the officer model. Mm-hmm. They all say officer Swiss on them, but there's one that is... It has the corkscrew, it has the saw, and the rest are like scout accoutrement. Like, so right. your bottle opener. Bottle opener, can opener, and pen knife, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I would say we'll give you six for the price of five. <laughs> what a deal! <laughs> yeah. All right, next question. All right, nine-inch disc from, um, from Jamie Harris. Oh, and Thomas, thanks for the welcome back, buddy. It's good to be back. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, nine-inch disc, disc grinder sander, advantages versus disadvantages. Do you like them? Do you use them? Possibly, possible tips and tricks. Keep up the good work, guys. I do have something. So, so we've never replaced it in the shop, but I want to replace it as soon as possible. It was my favorite tool in the whole shop. Was a horse and a half, twelve-inch disc sander. Oh, right. The guard had about a quarter inch of a gap between, you know, underneath the guard, behind the disc grinder. And the tool rest. Okay. So the tool rest was a fixed, perfect 90 degrees. Oh. Perfect 90 degrees. Measured every single time, never bent, never dropped. An absolute perfect 12-inch disc sander. I would face the bottom of blades on it. Really? And I would go zip, zip, and I'd have a perfect ABS Master Smith Guard kind shoulder. of a fit. Yeah. Guard shoulder. Just absolute perfect. I loved it. So so I would, if you can get one that holds square and that, and that you can get a good price on discs and everything... 
And, and then on top of that, we flattened material on it and yep. we squared up material. And I, I remember doing like several, several um, um, of the, the segmented knives that Bark River does. Okay, so little thing about the segmented knives that Bark River does, Jim Stewart makes all of them. Yeah, all of them. Right, Every and it used to be one. like nine per run. Right. And I just kind of like slowly stopped doing them because my day got more and more full. Right. Right, and then now, uh, now occasionally if there's a pre-order, there's one or something, I still have to, it's just me that makes that one. So if you see one, it's because I made it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, a little history right? on that. Absolutely. So uh, so yeah, you're pro disc grinder. Uh, I am super pro disc grinder. I am but too. You know what? Th- so, But there is one major fallback. Okay, what's that? Changing discs. Uh, yes, I was a master at it. I, I had it down. Did you? I did. I had uh, it down. I, so, and I'm so uh, anal. I have to clean everything with denatured alcohol. Well, I did that too. You turn it on and take a denatured alcohol rag. And then go from the middle to the outside because that's what I do. No, I did not do that. And I don't recommend anybody no, else do that. No, no. What I did, what I did, and it was totally a cheater method. Is I took a scrap block of two by four uh-huh. on, a, on a on a crappy on a crappy disc sander. I turned that machine on and I jam it into it. And not not to the point where you're like damaging the equipment, but I jam it into it to heat it up, and then I just peeled it off. You're kidding. And then no glue was left on it whatsoever. You're kidding. <laughs> That's all I did. I swear to God. You just took a lump of coal lumber <laughs> yeah. and then just overheated the disc and peeled yes. it off. That's all I did. You're kidding. And it worked like a charm. Dude, that's brilliant. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. All right. So that's your show today, guys. Tech tips. I'm done. I got to go write that down. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So on top of that, I was getting really good fits. I was getting perfectly flat handles. I was, I was, doing, guard, I was doing guard shoulders. Right. Like you could not believe. And then finally, the machine broke down. Uh, and then I'm like, hey, we got to get another one. all your two by fouring. <laughs> I'm through all this scrap wood. What do we do next? Right. And then, um, and then, and then I, I was never able to convince anybody to buy another one because no one else used it in the shop but me. And they're kind of expensive. Like a yeah, good one yeah, like from Beaumont or something like that. I mean, they're like 800 bucks or something. Yeah. Like yeah. They're it's, pretty expensive. It's, it's an investment. But if you buy a good one, just treat it well and she'll last you the rest of your life. That's, I mean, man, so, that is, that's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so there you go, Jamie. Uh, that, <laughs> Pro grinder, uh, disc grinder. And we use ours all the time for chewing stuff up. I just oh, use yeah. one, two, three blocks. Mm-hmm. Again, for inlays and stuff like that, I'll mm-hmm. actually clamp squares or degree angle finders to it, yeah. protractors, and I'll be able to set matching degrees. And because of that swiveling table, I can get that miter, the compound Oh, yeah, fit. absolutely. And, and you, so, you can even do it at an angle if you wanted yeah, exactly, to. And then you could yeah. fit pieces you know, perfectly together. And that's exactly that, how yeah. we do it. When we very, do it. very cool. So yeah, that's cool. And I'm glad that you brought that up because now I'm going to go start hunting for one. There you go. <laughs> 12 inch disc sander, man. So, um, so I know you were asking about nines, but you know, same thing applies. Yep. If you can get the same kind of features, you're fine. Some you're of them are crowned in the middle. So if like, if yep. you're doing bevels, mm-hmm. you don't run into the upside. If that like point past the axis. Yeah. So they're crowned ever so slightly. And I think they compensate for it or whatever, but yeah. that way you can't grab the bad side if you're running a long piece along it. Cause some people do right. bevels with them. Yes. And that's kind of cool. Yes. So they're very versatile, very mm-hmm. helpful. And I mean, it's like a one-stop machine shop for a lot of things. It's, it's definitely a cheat angle. sheet for yeah. sure. Absolutely. So, okay. Next question. Justin uh, Medley. Justin Medley. Favorite releases or knives from Blade? I'm assuming you're meaning Blade Show. I'm just joking. Uh, you know, I'm so... I do you guys such a disservice. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, I, I spent all my time in the rusty knife section up in the front. Um, that's that's kind of where I reside, too. I'm not really paying attention to what people are releasing at Blade because I'll usually oh. hear about it. However, Les George did come out with that cast titanium LF&C Co. 19, 1918 trench knife. I did not see that. So instead of okay. machine titanium, he came uh-huh. out with a cast titanium. It's like a knuckle duster with a dagger blade on it, right? Right. And Les George came out with a limited run of those. And the casting of titanium is, I guess, 
a pretty severe process. So huh. I thought that was pretty cool. So I would say that was probably my favorite release. Cool. Okay. So. Yeah. I, and I don't have one. <laughs> yeah, you didn't go this year. No, right? I didn't go this year. Uh, yeah, I went the last two years. Just t- just too tied up with work this year. Um, but uh, hopefully next year maybe I can find time to go. But we'll see. I know we'll I see. will. I know that I know that I skipped Iwa this uh-huh. past yeah, this did, this, too, year, yeah. this year as well, which usually is really weird. Because um, I last year I went to both, and the year, the year before same thing. So um, okay, next question though, um, Adam Spencer. What is a good way to revitalize my car to handle scales that are starting to lose their color and shine? Resurface it. Buff them, yeah. Yeah, resurface it. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, um, and, and yeah, you could you could rebuff it again uh, if you're just looking to put that shine back on. But if you want the color back, you have to resurface it. Yeah. Especially if it's UV faded. And and some of them get better, in my opinion. In fact, all oh, my yeah. carters get better looking to me in yep. time. But if that's not your bag... I would say don't go any coarser than 320. That's yeah, a good yep. one to jump in at. Yep. No, no, that'd be perfect. I mean, because 320, it's just deep enough that it, you can you can see noticeable scratches, yep. and you'll instantly see the color right away, so you have a goal the second you start. Right. So for me, I don't know about you guys, but for me, that's like a huge motivating factor, is that if I can shorten the amount of time taken in a step, I'm going to perform that step faster yep. overall. I mean, and so and so for me, I would go, I would instantly go to 320, surface the whole thing, make sure the scratches are all going in the same way, and then go right to 1200 or 600, 600, and then stop and then call it good. There you go. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And a buff. And a buff. And yes. Buff. 100%. Uh, Roland, how do Carolina Reaper gumballs taste? Uh, rest <laughs> in peace, Derek Bone. Roland, that, uh, you know, you'd have to ask Jenna for that one. Derek got her with that gag uh quite a while ago and that was a fun time he he promised he would try some chew mm-hmm. i think it was donovan's or something it was it was or was lawn was it lawn it was, it was maybe it was lawn yeah lawn. i think yeah. lawn humphreys yeah we were all partying over at your dad's <laughs> house and he brought these carolina reaper gumballs now derek also <sighs> i know it's a nice talk ill about the dead but that man almost killed me one day uh he had a little party at his place a little taco bar kind of thing going on and uh, you know all the hot peppers on the or the hot sauces he had like a little bar of hot sauces which was pretty cool Mm -hmm. and they all like ass kicking hot or super death and they all have like (laughs) these kind of kitschy names about how tough they are you know it's like going to a biker bar on saturday afternoon (laughs) and uh so so I, i pay no attention to it because i assume it's just a gimmick well i didn't realize i didn't even know what a carolina reaper was and and so i just turn around i just hammer it on my tacos like i would any other hot sauce oh, no and oh, no. i swear to god jenna's probably seen me cry three times one of them was when my dog died and the other one was when i ate those friggin' tacos and i'm like staring at derek like how could you do this to me and i'm dying like i'm like this is where it's all gonna end you know the, the clock is ticking like tick tick because you know in three minutes you'll be okay right, right but, yeah. oh my god I, I was dying so yeah he, he loved his hot foods, man. Yeah, rest in peace, buddy. Yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember that whole story now. I totally forgot about that. And but I know that he was bragging on you a little bit. He's like, he stuck through it like a champ. Oh, and- <laughs> dude, I put it on there like it was ketchup. Like, oh, it was not nice. It was not oh, nice. Oh man. Uh, Jake Jakeway, welcome back. Please explain in detail the black wash of a blade. In detail, Jake. This needs to. Okay, so two things. <laughs> This is a tech tip segment that we can cover in a video. Yep. And I think it's totally worthy. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but you have my phone number. If you need me to tell you how to blackwash a blade, you can always call me. But for me to do it over the air, I'm going to drop a lot of F bombs and I'm going to. So we'll do it <laughs> in a proper segment uh, for tech tips. And Jake, if you have any questions, just give me a buzz. Looking forward to that so one. So stay tuned. Looking okay. forward to that one too, because that has, uh, that's a lot of time lapse. 
actually, oh, yeah. actually, fun, right? actually, we can absolutely time we'll lapse have, like, the tumbler fading and stuff. Oh you know? yeah, the whole thing, yeah. the whole thing. We could do definitely do some cool camera tricks with that. I, I'm a huge, I'm a video nerd, and I love camera tricks. So totally cool. And uh, the very last thing, folders. This is a question segment, sir. That was a statement or an exclamation. <laughs> <laughs> Coming soon. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. From both our camps. Yes. I actually, I might beat you guys. Uh, no, you are going to beat us. Yeah. I, I can tell you for sure. I can tell you for sure that you're going to beat us. Yes. Um, the closest thing that you're going to see for Bark River folders in the next future, or in the near future, I should say, will be will be out of the custom shop. Nice. You guys may or may not have seen. Um, I started a Bark River custom shop. And I started it with um, with a model called the Nihon Utility. Um, it's on Facebook.com slash group slash BRK custom, PRK custom shop. Um, that's not a plug to join. I don't... Okay, I'm an idiot. Never it sure mind. came off yeah. like one. But I that's know. okay, man. Be I proud know. of your stuff. It's that's all right, cool. It's all right. I'm not wearing a, a maroon shirt, but I am. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am. So um, uh, it was a suggestion offered to me that... Um, it, it was, it, the question was, Hey, now that we're starting a custom shop, are we going to see some custom folders? Ooh. And I went, and I went, since I'm autonomous now, yeah. maybe I could do that. I've got lots of good blueprints and references to do slip joints. And I've already got like three or four slip joints already mechanically functional. Sweet. So maybe I'll just execute one. That'd be fun. Yeah. It'd be really cool to do. Yep. Yep. Put me in, coach. Yeah, you got it, man. Yeah, that sounds fun. Yep. But then we can both not carry our slip joints. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, I love it. And back in the drawer you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I man. Don't do that. <laughs> All right. I think that uh, I think that wraps up the episode. Good, sir. That is a podcast. Podcast. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. My name is Jim Stewart with Matt Martin signing off for episode 31. And we'll see you guys in episode 32. Take it easy. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us. This has been episode 32. Jim Stewart again with Matt Martin. Mad Matt Martin. Mad, Mad Max Matt Martin. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Behind the Blade Podcast. And our group, facebook.com slash group slash BTB Trench Crew. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play. You can find us on iHeartRadio and anywhere where podcasts aggregate. Make sure you check us out. Hey, guys, do me a solid. Leave us a, leave us a good review. If you like the show, you find some value in the show, leave us a review um, wherever wherever you want, really. I mean, if, if, we, if our show's hosted there, there's yeah, likely a real. Yes. For a good time, go to iTunes, search Behind the Blade Podcast. <laughs> or you guys have you guys have a good night.